Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 51 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, open our hearts to receive your message today. May we learn more of you in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's see what's happening in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is met with a request, a request for healing a bondservant. A bondservant was generally someone who was owned by another person. And the person asking for this healing was a Roman citizen, and not just a Roman citizen, but a Roman centurion, which was a commander of 100 men. The Jewish people did not enjoy being under Roman rule, but this man was different. He was considered a Gentile, but still was recorded as having built a synagogue for the Jewish people at his own expense. When he heard about Jesus' healing power, he sent Jewish leaders to him to ask for healing for his servant. But even as Jesus was on his way, the centurion sent friends to Jesus, saying he wasn't worthy for him to come to his home. His faith was in Jesus' ability and didn't require Jesus' presence. So he sent the message to simply heal the servant from afar. Jesus was astounded at this man's faith and said he hadn't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Interesting. This man seemed to have more faith than even God's chosen people, even though he was a Gentile. We see Jesus healed the servant without being physically present with him, and this should give us hope that Jesus can still, still heal us today. The next portion of Luke, verses 13 through 15, show Jesus' abundant, compassionate heart. It says, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. And he went forward and touched the funeral buyer. And the pallbearer stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise from death. And the man who was dead sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Imagine a dead son being given back to a mother, especially when this mother had no one to care for her. His death was tragic, but the rest of her life would have been tragic as well. She likely had no way of earning money, so her situation was desperate. Jesus saw her need. He did not hesitate to breathe life back into her son. In fact, he demanded it. There was an exclamation point after his command to the young man to rise up from the dead. He took her pain away without her even asking him to. He sees your pain as well, and he sees your need. His compassion compels him to work miracles in your life today. The Lord withholds no good thing from his children. Verse 23 is notable as well as Jesus said, and blessed, happy, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, apart from outward conditions and to be envied is he who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble, whatever may occur. This verse speaks to us today as well as it did 2,000 years ago. Whatever occurs in our lives and this world, let us cling to Christ. Let us not stumble by the circumstances around us, but lean into the Lord and stand strong against the enemy. May you receive this word today. In the last portion of the chapter, Jesus is invited to the Pharisee's home for dinner. A woman who was said to have been a wicked sinner came too, likely uninvited, but she came. And she showed Jesus great affection, love, and honor. The Pharisee muttered under his breath, probably no one could even hear him, but Jesus knows our thoughts and our hearts. 
and he could see what this man was thinking. So he told the Pharisee a story about forgiveness of debt. Then he compared this debt with sin as he talked about the woman who was forgiven by him. In verse 47, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, her sins, many as they are, are forgiven her because she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Her love was massive for Christ because she had been forgiven and loved by him. She could see who he was, even though the Pharisee, a man who had studied the law, could not. God allowed the poor, the afflicted, and the especially wicked sinners, as they were called, to see who his son was. He came for them to save them, and Jesus fulfilled his mission. May we humbly sit at Jesus' feet and love him as the woman loved him. In verse 50, Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Go enter into peace in freedom from all the distresses that are experienced as a result of sin. Let our faith set us free as well, for Jesus came to set us free. Let's see what Paul has to say to the Corinthian church in chapter 7. Paul writes about marriage in this chapter. His main point is articulated in verse 35, which says, Now I say this for your own welfare and profit, not to put a halter of restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and in good order, and to secure your undistracted and undivided devotion to the Lord. He desires that people serve God unabashedly and without the distractions of this world, which includes being a wife or a husband. His words are not to be taken harshly, but received in love. Verse 26, he writes, I think then, because of the impending distress that is even now settling in, it is well expedient, profitable, and wholesome for a person to remain as he or she is. So he's basically saying if someone is married, stay married. If someone is single, stay single, but only if they are able to stay true to themselves and to God. Otherwise, if being single would lead to immorality, then it would be more desirable to marry. Let's see what's happening in Leviticus chapter 11. We see in the first verse that God is now speaking to both Moses and Aaron, not just Moses. God gave them instructions as to what kind of food they could eat. He starts with animals, then fish, birds, and finally insects. The question most people ask is why? Why would God tell them there were certain things the Israelites could not eat? Well, I found some reasons why they may have been limited to eating certain foods. One was to separate them from other people and nations. God called the Israelites to be his own, his nation, and this would have been one way to keep them separate from others. Another reason would have been to keep them holy as God is holy, and he could not let anything defile them or him. If the people were defiled, they could not have come to him as their God. Another reason could have been to limit them in order to encourage their obedience to him. Their disobedience had gotten them in trouble in the past. As God gave them instructions, he expected them to follow the instructions and thereby keep their minds on him and their obedience to him. The last reason I point out is there may have been negative health repercussions to the people of the day if they ate the things God told them were unclean. Next, God tells them that even contact with these things made them unclean. So he gives them instructions about what to do to become clean again. The bottom line is in verse 45. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you shall be holy for I am holy. In chapter 12, the Lord tells Moses about women, childbirth, and purification for her after childbirth. Women were considered unclean for seven days if they gave birth to a boy and 14 days if they gave birth to a girl. 
They were separated from their family and friends during this time. After those seven or 14 days, they entered into another period of separation, a purification time period, which was 33 days for a baby boy and 66 days if the baby was a girl. During this time, the women were unable to go to the sanctuary or participate in the Passover or other holy festivals. At the end of the allotted time, she had to bring a lamb or two turtle doves, which is what Mary brought when Jesus was born after his, her purification. And then the woman was declared clean. As I read this chapter, I was reminded again to be very thankful for the days and times we live in now since Jesus' death and resurrection. His blood purifies and sanctifies us. Psalm 51 was written by King David as he was repentant for his sin against Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. For those who haven't read the Bible from cover to cover and don't know the story of King David's sin, he had an affair with Bathsheba and she became pregnant. The affair happened when her husband Uriah was off at war fighting the Ammonites. David brought Uriah back for the sole purpose of giving him an opportunity to sleep with his wife and think the baby was his. However, Uriah wouldn't go into his house. He wouldn't allow himself this opportunity because the men he led would have not had that same opportunity. So he withheld his own gratification. Because of this, David gave the command that he be put in the front lines with the intention that he would be killed in combat. And this happened. And Bathsheba then went to live with David. She gave birth to this son who was born sick, and he died within days of being born. Our psalm begins with David asking for mercy from God. He asks God to take away his transgressions. David knew God was the only one who could make him clean. He admits to his sin and earnestly desires forgiveness and purification. Verse 10 is a famous verse and has been written into songs that we sing today. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right, persevering, and steadfast spirit within me. God, or David asks God to not take away his presence from him or his Holy Spirit from him. He asks for full restoration. Verse 17 is underlined in my Bible, which says, My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly and thoroughly penitent. Such, O God, you will not despise. We can meditate on this as we come before the Lord with our own sin. This chapter can be used for us at any time we feel we have sinned against the Lord. We are forgiven as David was and as we ask for it. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, thank you for your word that shows us more about you and teaches us about your holiness and perfection. Help us walk closely with you and walk in your ways instead of our own. Bend our will to yours, Father, and forgive us for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.